The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everyone. Glad that you could join us. You know, summertime is coming up, and I know that a lot of us will be visiting our nation's wonderful, beautiful national parks. And there you may find a curious object. You may find bottled water. And you might think, oh, well, that's great. I can throw it in my backpack, and I can take a hike and drink my bottled water, you know, as I take a hike. But we're going to rethink that whole situation. Today we're talking with Grace Morris, who's leading a campaign to actually remove uh, plastic water bottles from our national parks, and there's good reason to do so. And we're going to talk about some of those reasons. We're going to talk about some of the problems that it's causing by having bottled plastic bottled water in our national parks and, and really talk thoroughly through this issue. Grace, we're so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Uh, thank you so much, Jill. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You know, for a lot of our listeners, our national parks are considered almost like a family heirloom that we pass down from one generation to the next. We love our parks in America. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just wondering if you can explain to us how the sale of bottled water is harming those beloved national parks that we hold so dear. Sure. And, and Jill, I, I love that analogy um, about how our, our national parks, they really are um, just part of our American family. And, I, you know, to speak to what's wrong with bottled water in our national parks is really that Coke and the bottled water industry are using one national treasure, our parks, to profit from another at the public's expense. Um, and so it's, it's just time that our national parks um, – stop serving as billboards and concession stands for the bottled water industry. And by retailing and promoting bottled water in our national parks, the the bottled water industry is is really just attempting to paint its very eco-unfriendly product green. Well, and tell us, for instance, um, when bottled water is sold in a national park, uh, where does that water come from in order to be trucked into the parks? In many cases, I know it's from a variety of sources, but when you say that they're taking one national treasure, our water, of course, is uh, a national treasure that we absolutely can't live without. Where is that water coming from in order to be transported into the parks? It's a really good question um, because, honestly, we we don't know. Um, And more than half of bottled water is just tap water. Uh, So... (laughs) Bottled water like Coca-Cola's Dasani is, is entirely sourced from the tap, um, and then you have, and then uh, same with Pepsi's Aquafina, it's also a tap water brand, mm-hmm. um, and Nestle's Pure Life. So, you, but really, the thing about the bottled water industry is that it really misleads the public about the quality and the content of what's in the bottle. Um, and we've actually been asking. 
the industry to label the source of its bottled water. So in some cases, it's coming from your, your tap water and being sold back to you at about hundreds to thousands of times the price. And in other cases, um, there are some really big extraction issues uh, with spring water brands, which are draining aquifers around the country and around the world. And then, so there's there's an extraction impact. And then on top of that, as you as you're you know alluded to with the transportation costs, there's the a whole a whole life um, cycle of environmental impacts from extraction to the petroleum it takes to produce the bottle to the transportation of the bottle. It's um, it takes about three times the amount of water that's in the bottle to make one bottle of water. Oh. Gosh, you know, and as so many of our states this year have suffered drought, some are still in drought, even after the winter months, um, you know, we're not taking our water for granted in the same way that we might have, you know, a few years ago before this was national news. Can you give us some idea, Grace, of how much bottled water is actually sold in our national parks each year? What's the volume we're talking about? I'd love to know both in terms of plastic and in terms of gallons of water. How much? How much business is this worth? Right, and and I have to say, Jill, for the entire national park system, we we don't have exact numbers. But mm-hmm. one good example, I think, is the Grand Canyon, which uh-huh. is an iconic national park and uh, has about five million visitors a year from all around the world. And the Grand Canyon's numbers, um, when they were deciding to implement their bottled water free policy, which which they have successfully implemented at the point, they found that um, they could eliminate 30% of what is currently their recycled product and up to 20% of the park's overall waste stream. And so, wow. um, I mean, and just the recycled uh, volume was more than 900 tons. And, I mean... <laughs> We're just talking about a huge volume of plastic waste that's right. landing on the trails and scenic vistas of our national parks. Well, and, you know, at first blush, a lot of people might be saying, oh, look at all that recycling that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a little word that really comes before recycling, and that is reduce. Reduce, <laughs> reuse, recycle. And, and a lot of times, you know, we focus even in school so much on the recycling piece that we jump up and down about big recycling numbers. But if you actually aren't consuming and... And, and putting recyclables into the waste stream, that's even better. That's a reduction of consumption. And so that's that's kind of where, you know, yes, we want to recycle everything we can, but if we can if we can stop the, the purchase of something that's recyclable and use something that can be reused, like a canteen to put water in, that's even better. Because for instance, when you're talking about a place like the Grand Canyon or many of our national parks where on purpose we have not created eight-lane freeways to get in and out, traffic is intense. Uh, my family likes to go to Yosemite a lot, and you know during the peak days, you're going to be sitting in traffic for a while emitting carbon emissions like nobody's business, even if you're on a bus, going into Yosemite Valley. And if you add to that you know, trucks that are bringing product in like bottled water and trucks that are coming out with the recyclables you're just adding to the the traffic that's coming in and out that's just one issue that i alluded to but that's a lot i mean just for one park like the grand canyon that's an awful lot of tonnage of recyclable waste and when you think about nine how many tons of of recyclables did you say um so in in 2010 the park recycled more than 900 tons and they 
estimated that 30 percent of that was was bottled water or disposable plastic bottles well and um, think about think about how light plastic is that's a whole lot of plastic bottles that's unbelievable it is well, then, and then in addition to, i mean I, I completely you know what you're saying about the importance of reducing it is, is so important and then the other sort of metric to, to point to is that only 20 percent of of bottled water is, is of anything is really recycled. Um, and so there's a huge amount of waste that's not being uh, recycled and strewn along the trail, which is not what, you know, visit, visitors, we, we've had our members tell us about experiences where they've traveled hundreds of miles to, you know, experience one of our pristine natural wonders only to come across a bottle, a bottle of plastic <laughs> bottled water yeah. on the trail. It's not really what, what you want to see. Well, it's not. But on the other hand, I would have to say what my mom used to say to us, litter bug, litter bug, shame on you. You know, that was that was what we said back in the 70s. And, you know, if it weren't a water bottle, it'd be something else. I mean, people just need to stop littering. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, that's that's another behavioral issue that we could definitely address. And I know Keep America Beautiful is all over that one. Um, right. and, and I love them for that. Let me ask you something. Is yeah. there adequate water infrastructure in the parks right now to provide that same number of gallons of water to thirsty visitors? Or if the parks didn't have bottled water, would we all go thirsty? I mean, do they, they need a bunch of new infrastructure in order to give us enough drinking water when we go to the parks? Or, or is there really a need for bottled water like we'd all be parched without, without you know, the bottled water? It's, it's a great question and uh, definitely – Safety and that the perceived need of um, increased access to hydration is something that the parks uh, talk about when they're when they're making the move to, to be bottled water free. And uh, actually, in many places, there is there there's are the infrastructure is already there. The water fountains are already there. The filling stations are in the visitor centers. There's already um, in, in most in most parks. And I mean, it, there, there, we have 403. Uh, national park units across the country, but in, in most parks, the infrastructure is there, and people are already, um, you know, going to campgrounds that have uh, that have water stations. They're uh, filling mm-hmm. up in the visitor center. Uh, you know, definitely all your experienced hikers are are coming. You know, really prepared to uh, fill up reusable containers. And then um, the other side of that is that bottled water has only been around for about 30 years. And our national parks, <laughs> our national parks have been around for for a lot longer. So when you're talking about a desert park like the Grand Canyon, it's been you know it's been providing water to its visitors since since 1919. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just wonder because you know for for a lot of the visitors, they're not experienced hikers, and so this would be a behavior change. You know, this would be something that you know they they'd have to get comfortable filling up a canteen from a hose or from a spigot, something that doesn't look fancy and frou frou like a you know a bottled water logo that looks so clean and healthy. They'd have to get used to the idea that that water coming out of the spigot is just as clean. Um, what is your campaign doing to address that that issue for people who, you know, didn't grow up with their mom saying, get out in the backyard and play all afternoon, and they drink out of the wa- the garden hose? You know, what what? how can we address that issue with people who've grown up drinking bottled water? Um, no, that is absolutely one of the central issues that Think Outside the Bottle as a public education and action campaign works to address. Um, it, you're absolutely right that, 
at this point, the bottled water industry has really misled people to believing that the only place to get clean, safe drinking water is from a bottle when we know that that couldn't be further from the truth, that our, our tap water is much more highly regulated um, and, and safer. Uh, so the, we definitely do a lot of education about um, about the tap and then about why choose tap over bottled water. And then also I'd say the parks are already doing a great job. I mean, this is going bottled water free is really just a logical next step in the park's sustainability and, and greening efforts. And we, a lot of parks have great campaigns, um, especially, so there, there are about a dozen parks that have gone bottled water free, um, bottled water free, uh, three of which are Grand Canyon, Saguaro, and Zion, which are all uh-huh. desert parks and very, very attuned to the need for hydration when you're out in the desert. And so oh, yeah. they put a ton of education efforts and outreach in their newsletters um, in their, with their visitors' um, work to make sure that people are thinking about hydration. And they have installed filling stations that are, you know, really, really nice there. And they have great signage. They have sign plans. They've really organized um, – and made water access really uh, easy, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's been. A, I think it really improves the visitors' experience, and it, it's one less uh, thing that people have to spend money on. Well, I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but uh, as we do, what I'd like for people to do is check out your website. I don't want you all who are listening to close the tab, you know, listening to us here on Voice America. Open up a new tab in your web browser, and Grace, tell us where our listeners can find more information that they can they can research as we're on a quick commercial break. Definitely. So our website is Stop Corporate Abuse. Org, and uh, you just go to stopcorporateabuse.org and click on our water, mm-hmm. uh, our water campaign, and we have tons of information, research reports, and we also have a petition that you can sign to support parks going bottled water free. Well, there you go, folks. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with much, much more on this issue of plastic water bottles in national parks. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could join us today. If you happen to just be picking us up, our topic today is we're talking about bottled water in national parks. Does it make sense to bring a bunch of trucks in, to truck in something that is already there for free? All the national parks have clean, available water (laughs) that we can fill our canteens up with. And instead, we're trucking this bottled water in, trucking out the recyclables if it actually ends up making it into the recycling cans. Um, And we know that not 100% do. You know, just out of curiosity, Grace, I was wondering if you can quantify some of the car carbon emissions and fuel consumption that's necessary to truck these plastic bottles in and maybe you know also include the the trucks that take the waste and the recycling out have you got any statistics on that to give us some idea of of what we're doing to our air quality around the national parks with net plastic bottle use well i definitely i wish i had those for the entire national park system at large i think a really compelling example of just how bottled water takes such a staggering environmental and economic toll on our on our resources is um, to just return to the example of the Grand Canyon, um, and which which does get five million park visitors from around the world every year. And prior to phasing out bottled water last year, the Grand Canyon estimated that its plastic bottles accounted for uh, 20% of its overall waste stream, uh, which equates to more than 500 tons of total waste annually. And all of those bottles um, that, as you're, as you're saying, take immense energy to produce uh, add up to about 8 million kilowatt hours each year just for bottles that were being sold at the Grand Canyon, which uh, is enough energy to power over 700 U.S. homes for a year. Holy cow. You know, what is it that's keeping the national parks from banning the sale of bottled water right now? What, what's the holdup? Well, uh, I would, you know, I'd say the bottled water industry has really attempted to undermine parks taking this logical next step to be bottled water free and, you know, really want to continue to use our national parks as, as their concession stand. Wow. And is there any like contractual agreement that would that would get the parks into trouble if they just said, up, ah, no more. We don't want any more. Uh, there isn't. There isn't. Um, so this is a decision that lies in the hands of park superintendents. There, there is a checklist uh, there's, that the National Park Service um, 
created after about around around this time last year when the Grand Canyon um, first made moves to go bottled water free and mm-hmm. Coca Cola and the bottled water industry uh, were successful in in holding up that implementation mm-hmm. uh, for for a while and so. Uh, there is there is a checklist. Um, some parks do see it as a hurdle, but it really is a way of having consistency across the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just as long as the due diligence is done, parks can make the transition. And it and really, uh, with all the great work that parks are doing, greening their operations and uh, part of their green parks plan, this is this is just a logical next step that can can really reduce waste and, and send a great message about water stewardship. Well, and I know that a lot of what you are doing is trying to raise the groundswell of, of you know, grassroots support so that the national parks don't feel like they're they're making a move uh, without public support. And speaking of public support, we're joined now by a, a really exciting guest who is going to complement what, what Grace has been telling us. His name is Hans Flooring. And he is perhaps the world's fastest climber. He actually won the first international speed climbing championships in 1991 in Frankfurt and has held the U.S. national title 11 times. Uh, Hans has won the ESPN X Games three years in a row. And this means something special to me because I am a frequenter of Yosemite National Park. And he holds the uh, speed record on the nose route of the El Capitan uh, face uh, in Yosemite. He's done that eight times over the past 23 years and holds the current record. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Hans. Well, thank you, Jill and Grace, for having me. Super honored that you're bringing me on board. I'm sure there's listeners like, why are we bringing a speed climber on to talk about (laughs) greening the earth? Well, and you know what, Hans? I'd love for you to answer that exact question. Why are you passionate about this issue? Well, I've always kind of been, uh, you know, light and fast, leave no trace. Um, I like to travel light and cover lots of ground. And, you know, one of the just side effects of that is that you're, you're not carrying a lot of stuff with you. You're not you're not, um, therefore you have nothing to leave in the wilderness, so you're, you're gonna be green, so to speak, anyway, and nice to the environment and leave it like other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can enjoy it the same way you, you did. Right. Um, you know, the whole idea of setting aside the land that we have to preserve our national parks is, you know, not only just to preserve the wildlife and national landscapes for Americans to enjoy, but there's a hope that by having Americans come and see these parks, they'll have an appreciation for our, our nature and our environment and maybe even inspire them to protect all these precious natural resources that we have. Hans, how do you feel like the sale of plastic water bottles in national parks undermines that mission of the national park system? Well, I think, you know, Grace has the incredible statistics that kind of uh, make it so, I don't know, uh, staggering that getting the parks and running them um, requires money. And if we're spending money on disposing of plastic bottles and cleaning up trash that otherwise wouldn't be there, that's money that could be spent to, you know, improve roads or make the experience more interactive for people so they'd stay longer and enjoy the wilderness um, mm-hmm. or open up other parks that aren't currently open because of funding problems. Right. Well, and that's true. Here we are in the midst of 
sequester you know time and and that that definitely is a valid point grace when you ask the national parks to cease selling bottled water what recommendations do you have for them to do instead to ensure that guests are hydrated? You mentioned some of the things that some of the other parks are doing. When you go to a park for the first time and say, hey, you know, we'd really like for you to be bottled water free, what are your recommendations for how they do that, or do you just leave that up to them? Uh, well, there's, there's a number of, of great ways to ensure that visitors have access to, to tap water at the parks. Um, and actually, I... I, I'll give a quick rundown of, of what Grand Canyon and, and Zion and Saguaro have done, um, and, and over a dozen other national parks have really improved access through filling stations and just making sure that they have a, a plan um, to educate visitors with, with signage and um, really do some, some good outreach about staying hydrated, uh, especially when you're out in the desert. So I think that you know, the example of Grand Canyon, Zion, and Saguaro, which are all desert parks, have been a great act to follow, and they've really cleared the trail for, for other parks to think outside the bottle. Um, but I'd love for Hans to, to chime in with some of, you know, he has some great ways to how to personally hydrate as you as you go to our, our park. Yeah, Hans, how do you do it? <laughs> well, like I said, Grace has the incredible statistics, but I just have anecdotal um, stories. I mean... I started climbing in the early 80s in Yosemite, and uh, we would, you know, we had to put a gallon per person per day into a hall bag to go up walls. And, Mm -hmm. you know, back then you'd go and get milk jugs or juice jugs or whatever and fill water. And we would have, you know, climbers tend to be frugal and on a budget, and we would have never, it would never crossed our minds to pay for water. not that you even could back then. I mean, they just didn't have bottled water in the early 80s, except for the very exceptional, you know, uh, hoity-toity shop might have an Evian <laughs> bottle, for lack of a better word. Um, so the water is there, and it's free. And um, I remember my first trip to Europe in, I think it was 1989, 90, we were completely like kids that had seen Disneyland or something. We, our jaws dropped, and we were like, why, Disneyland is a positive notion, but like this was just like odd to us. We'd get to Europe, and wow, there was bottled water, like more than Evian. There was like seven different varieties, and we <laughs> we were like, wow, why would people do this? You know, is is Europe some place where like the tap water is sewer or something? <laughs> we didn't get it, but quickly we saw all the other climbers had these really ragged um, Evian type bottles. And they were scratched up and torn, and like it was a matter of pride that like the more scratched up and torn your bottle is, because you reused it right many times, yeah. the more cool you were, and like oh, you must have just landed, you know, your label still on your plastic water bottle. <laughs> so it's kind of the green person that maybe you know has brand new climbing equipment and there's no scratches on it, you know, if you mm-hmm. have a. So it was a matter of pride. The more beat up and more used your bottle was, for amongst our community at least. So. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this sort of thing? Well, and do you find that in the climbing community today, um, do they have any strong feelings about, you know, pla- the sale of plastic water use? I mean, is it something that, you know, you're inspiring young climbers to think about bringing their own instead of, you know, purchasing water? I mean, how how does that work within your community? I'd, I'd say that... Um, the climbing community from the 80s to now, 2013, has evolved from more of a, since there were no climbing gyms in the 80s, um, 
90% of the climbers nowadays come from the climbing gym from the city. Uh Um, But they still are very, very much influenced by the outdoorsiness of us us climbers of of old, I guess. We're Mm. all kind of naturally green and caring for the environment because Mm -hmm. we are out there and enjoying it. So it is a very easy sell to the climbing world to, you know, get rid of plastic bottled water that's Uh uh, disposable. It's a super easy sell. I mean, this maybe a bubble of easy sell. Um, We're always trying to, I mean, it's a money-saving personal financial decision as well as um, save-the-planet decision. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I... I'm in a world where this everyone sees eye to eye on it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of dissension in the ranks, um, no. uh, I guess. Yeah. And how closely linked um, the, are the climbing community and the hiking community? I mean, do you feel like there's some synergy between the two groups on this issue as well? I'd say um, for sure, yes. In fact, when... Um, Grace asked me to kind of sign on as ambassador or whatever, as you will, for the climbing community. I called the American Alpine Club. I called the Access Fund, which is a group that keeps areas open. I called Leave No Trace, which is a a very huge organization that just, as its name says, Leave No Trace. And they all said 100% every single individual I talked to says, we support this, that direction, absolutely. And, And when you ask them, you know, official stance, they're taking so many official stances on other green things. They're like, well... They're a little bit not so much bureaucratic. It's like we only have so many things that we can you know log <laughs> on to. And this was like with four days' notice, I'm going to uh-huh. go and help this thing. So I couldn't pull that together. But categorically, 100% of them all said, "Yes, that's an awesome thing. We're so we back you 100%, Hans, to make that that's message fantastic. known." You know. That is fantastic. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we'll have much more with Grace Morris and with Hans. We'll be talking more about some of the solutions. What do we do to get the rest of America on board with uh, supporting this cause uh, to have no plastic water bottles sold in our national parks and why it's so important and what each of us can do to, uh, to support this initiative. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Delighted that you could join us. We're talking about removing plastic water bottles from national parks. And doesn't that just make sense, folks? I mean, water that is perfectly clean, perfectly healthy for you is already available in the parks. <laughs> They've been giving uh, their patrons you know, clean water to drink for, for decades and decades before there was plastic water bottles. Uh, and so we're talking about, does it really make sense to truck in something that's already there for free and truck out the waste that's created by these plastic water bottles? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. When, when I'm thinking about these types of issues, I, I think of myself less as an environmental activist and more a minivan mom. At the end of the day, that's what I am. And so I think, what would inspire everyday Americans to care about this, to get behind this campaign? And I know that from sea to shining sea, there are regular Americans, you know, they're, they're really not uh, activists necessarily on, on a lot of things, but they care about one issue that has really come to the forefront, especially since uh, we've been sending so many of our troops over to the Middle East in conflict, and that is to get this country off of foreign oil. And it's no secret that plastic water bottles are made from petroleum products. And I'm wondering, Grace, if you have linked the sale of plastic water bottles to the petroleum needed to manufacture them and this movement to free ourselves from foreign oil. I'm not sure if you've done this, but have you thought about aligning your campaign to broader campaigns that that uh, revolve around energy security and domestic sources of energy? Absolutely, Dylan. It, it's a great point. I'm really glad that you know you raised this question and, and we're connecting these issues. Um, so, in this, I mean, absolutely, this is something that Corporate Accountability International, as an organization that for 35 years has been challenging um, dangerous and irresponsible uh, corporate actions and working to protect human rights and, and the environment, is, is really concerned about. And how this relates to uh, the, the bottled water in our national parks is, you're out, yeah, bottled water is a petroleum-based product, and then you're talking about all of the petroleum that's needed in the transportation costs, and there's huge environmental impacts in every step of the bottled water life cycle. And I, one one estimate is that it takes about um, a quarter of the bottle. Uh, it could be filled with the oil that it takes to create the bottle itself. And, mm. uh, yeah, and so 
in linking these up to sort of some of our, our larger issues of nas- national security, I think that this goes hand in hand with the kind of message that we're sending about promoting um, renewable energy, about uh, being more sustainable, about greening our operations, and that fits really well with the park's mission. And then it also just, um, in, in choosing the tap, really sends the right message about our water. And when we're talking about issues of security, water and, and basic access to public water is, is a huge issue of security, and it's, it's one of our most valuable national resources. I mean, we definitely see it as our most essential resource. And so, Can't live without it. <laughs> exactly. And so it really does, this is something that each of us, uh, every day we, we turn on the tap and, um, you know, we, we want it to stay that way. Mm-hmm. You know, Hans, as you're dealing with uh, maybe amateur climbers, you know, the city, the city climbers who want to aspire to be, you know, the kind of climber that you, that you are and, and get out there and, and rough it. Um, how how do you inspire them? You know, I mean, I have talked to people. I carry around a canteen with me, you know, with my own water. Um, and some people are like, oh, it's too hard. It's a pain. Uh, and buying a canteen is more expensive than, you know, buying a bottle of water. Give us some of your feedback or some of your ideas about how we might inspire everyday Americans to get in the habit of bringing their own water in a, in a canteen. Well, um, I'd say not just water for a canteen, but, you know, coffee cups to the cafe. Um, ah, I, yes. I hike, I don't know, two or three mornings down to our local, I'm not going to say names of different coffee shops, <laughs> so I'm not plugging, but I, I switch them up between the two or three of them. And I always bring my own coffee mug. And, you know, heck, I, I think they give you 10 or 15 cents back for using your own mug. But um, I think that people... Actually, in in my area, I'm in uh, you know a suburb east east bay of San Francisco. But when you bring in a mug like that, people look favorably upon you for taking that concern and bringing your own mug in. Mm-hmm. And certainly, um, we've gone to places where there's the classic soda dispenser of all the different brands, and I won't name them all. But um, mm-hmm. and they'll give you a cup for free for water, but like we try to bring our water bottle in and fill it with water. Uh-huh. Um, and it's amazing, like, people, you, you you know, you you see people's eyebrows raised like, oh, that's kind of cool. Not, mm-hmm. oh, those guys are some green, freaky hippies or anything. <laughs> um, and it, admittedly, I'm down here near Berkeley and San Francisco, and so it's a little more accepted, but it's um it's really a, a positive sort of note. And I, I suspect as you get more into the Marin-Berkeley areas, it's almost... And it should be public ridicule almost of those who don't have their own water bottle in there um, because it, it just really is bad for the environment and bad for that community. And I kind of wanted to say something because I'm not uh, as much – I'm more so an efficiency person and how can we make things better. Um, when you said you being more of a you know, minivan mom, I happen to be a minivan dad, um, <laughs> I kind of think that this – bottled water in the in the parks is much like the thousand dollar wrench how can you grasp people and show them how bad this thing is well when you show them a one thousand dollar wrench that the government's paying for Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the same thing everybody can get behind that you don't need to be green you don't need to be um, you know concerned about one thing or another it's dumb for our government to buy a wrench for a thousand dollars it's dumb for our parks to ship water into you know the most beautiful 
place on the planet that has the best water on the planet. Yeah. Um, well, can, and to pay for the disposal of that. I mean, even if there's a corporate sponsorship that, you know, that they are getting, and I have seen, you know, documents that show that sometimes for exclusivity in their gift shops that, you know, certain companies will, you know, give X amount of dollars. In knowing what I know about waste hauling costs, that doesn't even cover the the waste hauling expense of hauling the packaging for those products out. So it's really not that much of a win for the parks to get a corporate sponsorship. No. And, you know, on on a sort of cost basis, what you talked about, like, oh, I have to buy a water bottle, I mean, we we ordered a bunch of BPA water bottles here that um, that are we're just selling for four dollars, which is only like twice the cost of an expensive bottle of water anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, the people get a, a bottle that they can put logos that they want to show off whatever it is they like. I mean, they can put a sticker over our logo on it. So it's a win for our business because. We're out there getting exposure for us. It's a win for the person because they've got this cool bottle that says, "Hey, I'm you know, I'm not. I care. This, yeah, I care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, it's kind of like an, another place, another bumper they can put their stickers to show their their stuff. And it's kind of interesting. You see people putting four or five different logo stickers, and you know that's the statement of of what they are, what they do, and stuff. And so it's kind well, of become know, a bumper. I kind of I kind of liken it to this movement around reusable bags, you know. Um, I, I, I remember even as recently as you know three years ago, I was the only person you know that I would see for the most part going into the grocery store with my reusable bags, and you know the the clerks got a little bent when they you know had uh-huh. to try and figure out how to put my groceries in these oddly shaped bags, um, but now it's ubiquitous. It yeah. really is totally accepted and i think this is one of those issues that could become just the same that people they catch on it feels good it feels really good um to walk out of the grocery store without you know creating any more waste with your bags and i think the same could be true you know with the with the water bottles but even beyond the waste grace i'm wondering you know there are a lot of water you know public water advocacy groups who are you know really fired up about you know public water and and taking back the tap are they part of your campaign also Absolutely, absolutely and and it it is it really is a movement at this point there's there's a huge amount of positive momentum and i I think you're you're right um it's it's going the same the same route as the the bags and it's it's really exciting so at this point, actually a hundred and forty cities across the country have promoted tap over bottled water. Um, mm-hmm. through education campaigns to promote the tap by discontinuing all public spending on bottled water. Six states have done the same. Um, dozens of colleges. I actually work with our student activists, and, um, you know, just this spring we're going to see bottled water-free graduations at Mount Holyoke, at Vassar, at Brown, the University of Chicago. So, it's, Wow, it's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's, very cool. It's great, our, and it's really our, inspiring to see students uh, take this, to campus and, and just like our parks, our bottled water free parks, they're saying that bottled water doesn't belong in our national parks. Uh, students across the country are, are challenging corporate control of water and saying that, you know, for our institution to um, protect human rights, that it, it needs to phase out bottled water. So it's pretty exciting. And then, and then also the, the last 
I mean, we, we work with a wonderful amount of, of faith allies and organizations, as well as um, a number of water groups, community water groups uh, in, in towns that have seen firsthand what extraction looks like when a, when a Nestle comes into your backyard and pumps, pumps into your aquifer. Mm-hmm. Um, has a huge impact on, on ecosystems and, and on the town's water supply. So we worked with a lot of communities that are challenging those extraction practices. And then our, our, one of our biggest champions are the hundreds of businesses that have gone bottled water free. And uh, that makes a huge statement for the need to protect and promote tap water. So, and, and actually, Hans, um, you know, you should you should chime in with with your story about going bottled water free. And what that I don't was want like. to toot my horn. <laughs> yeah, do it. Toot your own horn. Well, I mean, I'm just operating a, a local gym here, Diablo Rock Gym in in the East Bay, and uh, we we got all prepared like we're going to have to deal with customers that are really mad because we're going to phase out bottled water and. You know, I want you guys to be ready on your best customer service skills and all this because we're we're gonna be buying our last plastic water bottle to sell. And lo and behold, our last bottle sold I think a week and a half ago. And there's been no uproar whatsoever. One's like totally fine. They're like, oh, there's a water fountain right over there. You know, why do, <laughs> why would we be mad that you guys don't sell plastic water bottles? And I just uh, said, we I mean we sell um, stainless steel bottles for four dollars so it's not like it's a a burden for somebody if they really want to hold a bottle of water and they haven't brought their own in we'll sell them one for a slight bit more than what it would cost for bottled water yep and that's that's a great deal actually because sometimes they sell for more you know in other stores so that's actually a great deal um and i love the stainless steel because even though you know there are some bpa free you know other types of reusable bottles BPA, we've covered this on Go Green Radio before, BPA is only one of hundreds of chemicals uh, mm-hmm. that can have the, you know, uh, hormonal disruption effect on the human body. So we love stainless steel canteens. <laughs> that, we, we, we think those are great. So, Grace, let me ask you this. Do you think it's going to take legislative action to really uh, make this you know, the the policy across all the national parks. I mean, I just kind of feel like Congress is having a hard time walking and chewing bubblegum at the same time right now. They've got a lot on their plate. Do we have to wait for them to do this? Or do you really think this is a campaign that could succeed without legislative action? Hey, can I chime in, Grace, just a, a comment on that? Sure. You you kept saying that there's just a checklist for them to go through to, to mm-hmm. get the to go bottled water free but of course the the people opposed to this they're naming it a you know expensive feasibility study which is, sounds a lot more intimidating you have to do a feasibility study as opposed to it's just a checklist uh-huh. um, so as far as the barrier to parks doing it I, I point out that they've operated feasibly without bottled water for 90% of the life of their park in the case of Yosemite <laughs> So why would you really need to show feasibility? Show nine, you know, 90 years of operating without bottled water. Um, so, so true. I love that you said it's just a checklist. So it's totally easy and practical for a park to comply, so to speak. Absolutely. It is. And, and Grace, I, I, I right got ahead. that. Well, yeah. So I actually, I actually got that description by talking with bottled water-free superintendents at Grand Canyon and Zion, and and you know having heard some feedback from, from 
some parks that were considering action, but were, were a little intimidated about what the analysis really meant. And uh, the decision is, is really in the hands of park superintendents and uh, does have to be signed off on by the Intermountain region, by our Intermountain or Pacific region or whatever regional directors um, the, the parks are, are under in the National Park System Service. But what, what we're really seeing be, being the, the main holdup and, and really why uh, parks have to do this checklist in the first place is the industry stepping over their line and trying to apply pressure to stop. But we don't need an act of Congress. We can we can go bottled water free um, by just doing some some simple due diligence. And as Hans points out, pointing to decades of successful operation before bottled water. Mm-hmm. Well, and and again, from the everyday American standpoint, um, it's not like. Uh, you know, you don't prepare to go to the national parks. You know, you bring your sunscreen, you bring your hiking boots, you know, you bring, you know, if you're going to use any kind of bug repellent, you bring your hat, whatever, bring your canteen. (laughs) It's just one little more piece. And I, I keep thinking about why anybody who's in everyday America would oppose this. I mean, are you getting any citizen opposition to the campaign at all? Or is it strictly corporate? Dead it's, silence. <laughs> That's great. There is none. <laughs> There's no opposition. <laughs> There's no opposition. <laughs> um, everyone loves this. So, I, I mean, I really, the biggest opposition has, um, you know, unsurprisingly come from the industry that's you know, using the parks to attempt to greenwash and, and really healthwash their products and, and mislead the public about what's in the bottle. And so the, the fiercest opposition has, has come from, uh, Coke's American Beverage Association, Nestle's International Bottled Water Association, um, you know, have directly responded to the campaign. And when they do you know, that, what do they do? Like, you know, this isn't something that we might read about on CNN News or you know our Associated Press app. So everyday people don't know what you're going through. What do they do to oppose the campaign, Grace? Well, um, around World Water Day. Uh, you know, the American Beverage Association wrote wrote a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle about the Chronicle's coverage of the campaign, <laughs> and but really, it's it's really in the marketing and uh-huh. just how we've been asking these corporations for years to tell people one what's in the bottle, where it's sourced from, to provide water quality reports that are on the same level as our public water quality reports, which are completely transparent, um, and to just be be clear about what their extraction um, operations look like. And so we've really just seen um, a lot of different kinds of marketing uh, from the days when bottled water first came on the scene. It was more of a, more of a yuppie fad kind of, kind of Mm -hmm. attempt. And then now it's just really become a manufactured demand to really distract the public from the fact that, you know, water is already coming out of their taps nearly for free. Mm-hmm. And Hans, how does this corporate opposition to the campaign play in your world? How do people feel about that? Well, there's a couple worlds. I'm in the city managing things, um, and we um, we have vendors that supply us, or they used to supply us bottled water, but um, we have fridge space that... So on a business level, that fridge space is going to get filled with something else, mm-hmm. presumably in my case, something more nutritious and less harmful for the environment. Um, 
and then as far as in my I don't know, play life, recreation, personal, out there climbing. Um, it's affecting me because I'm seeing plastic water bottles laying all over the place in the park where I go. And it tends to be the more tourist locations, uh, the people that are the spending less time in the park. They're just there mm-hmm. for a quick visit, boom, and they're, and they're the disposable society. I mean, I'm trying to not make that just a quick cliche, but they're coming in and the average stay at the park is 45 minutes, which is, you know, staggering to me that Mm -hmm. Yosemite, this huge, beautiful park, the average stay is 45 minutes outside of their vehicle. So people are pulling off, going into the shop, possibly buying bottled water, looking up, clicking some pictures, getting back in their bus and leaving. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) um, But they could get out of the bus and they could go over to the water fountain. It's not like, and this is where I was thinking back to, are the citizens complaining? It's like, no, because that'd be like complaining that you're getting blisters at the park. Oh, I'm getting dehydrated. Well, you don't even have that complaint because there's water fountains that are free, you know. The, mm-hmm. And they're always, I mean, 90 years Yosemite has operated without bottled water, and people didn't drop dead dehydrated because of that or anything. So mm-hmm. it's not like there's some sort of harm to the to the citizens or the public by right. reducing the water bottled water there you know if if our listeners want to dive further into the research on this issue where can they go for credible information so they can get you know the information they need maybe to become advocates they should come visit my health club right grace (laughs) (laughs) i I think you were looking for a link go ahead near you hans i live in the east bay too but for the rest of america since this is a national show um maybe we're, we're talking about an online research you know capability here Grace, yeah. where could they go? Definitely. Well, everyone um, should definitely go to stopcorporateabuse.org, mm-hmm. and we have a number of uh, links to research, um, and we have a quick we have a blog that's all about like the top ten reasons why parks should go bottled water free. Uh, that can just be a, a quick overview on the issue. Um, we also ha- have. Uh, the opera, if, you, if, there, if people do have more questions, they can always reach out to us. But, again, it's just stopcorporateabuse.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just click on our water campaign, and you'll, you'll find not only more information about parks, but also water issues um, nationally and, and globally, um, you know, as we, we do face a, a world water crisis at the moment. And, you know, here's the thing. I think for a lot of Americans, you know, some of them are – you know, concerned about corporate, you know, abuse and those kinds of issues. A lot of people, you know, I'm from the Midwest originally. We didn't have a lot of issues. You know, we weren't, you know, protest kind of people for the most part. But what we might be concerned about is things like littering the public parks, unnecessary costs, you know, like the waste hauling costs of, you know, getting rid of all this plastic uh, and that being money that could go towards park improvements, like you were saying, Hans. So I think... You know, whether you are a really staunch, you know, environmental advocate, uh, whether you're, you know, uh, into things that, that 
you know, are about corporate abuse, or whether you're just, you know, an everyday American who just loves nature, loves looking at nature, loves uh, what the national parks are doing, there's an entry point for everybody into this issue, I think is the bottom line. And so, uh, you know, even if you don't consider yourself, you know, somebody who's who's sort of a protester, you know, even if you're just somebody who says, you know what, the national parks are a national heirloom that we have protected and loved generation after generation. And this is just one way that we can make sure that our resources aren't wasted on waste hauling, you know, bills that, you know, we don't need. We don't need to get rid of all this plastic, these plastic water bottles. We can spend that money on park improvements. And, you know, this is just something that's available for free, uh, you know, and maybe tourists, instead of spending all that money on water, could uh, spend it on, you know, a, a their 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 souvenirs or or just you know a little extra family uh, meal or something enjoying the park itself. I want to thank you, Grace, for your hard work on this campaign, and thank you, Hans, for being on with us and doing all that you're doing to promote this issue. So, folks, think about this. Think about how you feel about the sale of plastic water bottles in national parks, and if you want to get involved, head on out to Grace's website, stopcorporateabuse.org. Thanks so much for being with us on Go Green Radio. We'll be here same time, same place next week. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 